Hello, everybody. It's Keith. Help support the Northeast scene and declare yourself a member today. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast medium of choice. Rate us and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It has every podcast episode plus other exclusive content. Like and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheNEScene. Also, continue to write us at NortheastScene at gmail.com. We want to share your experiences as well. And now, here's the show. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. Welcome, everybody. We're back. And on the show tonight, Tara Mayer from the End of the Ocean. We just spoke to her. It was an excellent conversation. You're going to love every second of it. And the End of the Ocean is awesome. Air was on our top albums of 2019 list. I think it's a modern classic as far as post-rock goes. Tara is super nice. Yeah, it's great. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah, dude, I'm so excited about this band. They're so good. And like you said, this is one of those bands you turn me on to. And it is a really, it's it's one of the best post-rock CDs I've heard in a very long time. And like Keith said, it's been on the top list of a lot of lists. And more importantly for us, it's on the top 10 of ours for 2019. It is a fucking amazing CD, like from beginning to end. It's one of those ones you can put on, kind of like Explosions in the Sky or Caspian. Put it on and just go for the ride because it's a great thing to have running while you're just kind of like focusing on something. It's great studying music. It's great working music. I, I love stuff like that. It's absolutely phenomenal shit. Well, today, the day we are recording this, it's President's Day. We yeah. have the day off. You have the day off, right? I've been off since Thursday of last week. Really? Yeah, I had off. So what what have you done with your newfound time? Um, so we did a lot of cleaning around the house. Uh, I got all the stuff for the basement bathroom to be redone. I actually didn't do it. Uh, there's some kind of mishaps with purchasing things. Um, I I had purchased some paint and then I brought it home, but I didn't go into the actual stories, the online thing. So like. I got it and I was like in and out of the store. It's just literally they leave it in a locker out front and you just, you know, scan the barcode and then go pick it up. I, I was all the way home before I realized like it's not the right fucking color. So what color was it? Uh, it's supposed to be like this kind of uh, sky blue color. Mm-hmm. And instead it's more of like a, like charcoal gray. Like it's really off. So you're not going to go with that? No, no, I already like we already went through the whole return process and everything like that. But it was by that time it was too late. But the nice part is, is the bathroom is like completely 
ready to be painted. Like I did all the taping and scraping, like everything that needed to be done prep work wise is all done. So, uh, next weekend I'll probably just bang it out on a Saturday afternoon. That sounds fun. It was Actually, nice. it doesn't sound fun. At it's all. not, it's, it's a terrible <laughs> chore, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's one of those things you do every 10 years. So it's like, fuck it. Um, yeah. what else did I do? I got a bunch of stuff prepped for school. So I got all my stuff done for this week. Uh, clean the house. Uh, we've started a new challenge as a family of steps. How many steps can you get a day? Mm. And it's, uh, gotten a bit out of hand. <laughs> like it's not fun anymore. And it's like, so I made up a list for the girls of like, if they get a certain number of steps each day, like they get a certain prize and they can, I tried to keep thinking of like teaching them how to budget and how to bank things. So like, all right, if you get 7,000 points or 7,000 steps one day, let's say you don't want the 7,000 point prize. You can bank it for the next day and take that 7,000 steps and roll it together with day three, day four, day five, and then get something bigger. It's kind of like, you know, the arcade system, like where you get a number of tickets. And if you're happy with the 125 point, like, Hey, I got a mustache. Hey, I got a mustache comb. You want to comb my mustache? That kind of shit. Like if you're okay with the, like the cheat, like chintzy kind of prizes, like that's fine. But, um, the big prizes are awesome. So it's like, take a trip to five below and pick any three items you want. Um, an extra hour of iPad time for the day. Um, what was some of the other shit, but it's like, they're, they're like insane about it now. And I actually had to preface them. Like when I was walking down the steps and I'm like, time is off now. And they're like, why? And I'm like, I'm going to go record in the basement they do this thing where they just run in place. Like it's, it's like sprinting in place. That's what they do to get their steps up because we're stuck in the house and it's cold as shit outside. So they've just been stomping on the floor and I'm like, I'm going to go record. You can't go and jump on the floor. So, so now you know what I live with on a daily basis. Yeah. Having an upstairs, <laughs> it's like having an upstairs neighbor that wears concrete shoes. Like it's just, yeah, it's unreal, but no, that's been, it's been pretty nice. It's been really chill hanging out getting shit done around here and uh, mainly just kind of like relaxing this last few weeks of work have been very uh, strenuous in that. Like we had parent teacher conferences or report cards doing a lot of stuff, a lot of deadlines to meet. Um, it was really nice to just take four or five days in a row just to be like, I'm going to sleep in. Like I slept till seven thirty, like the one day. It was awesome. Like I slept in till eight forty five and then got up so I could post today's podcast. <laughs> that's not but i was i was up till 2 a.m i t- used this time wisely and played obscene amounts of call of duty i bought the last of us 2 and installed that i'm gonna start that up after we record this so i'm looking forward to playing that what else did i do nothing really i'm i'm just relaxing and yesterday was valentine's day did you deliver tommy uh we don't celebrate valentine's day <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. How does Kelly feel about that? Oh, she's been fine with it forever. Like she doesn't Why don't care. you celebrate? Uh, cuz we feel like it's kind of hokey. Like it's like we tell each other we love each other every single day. Like I wake up in the morning and like give her a hug. Like we are very but both of us like the the girls always are always like Bleh. but we've always been very affectionate and like very loving towards each other and you know like I, I do little stuff for her and she does little stuff for me all the time uh so we kind of thought of it as like i'm not gonna go buy you a dozen roses that normally cost 
ten dollars and ah so there it is you don't want to spend money (laughs) well neither of us do with Uh, kelly not working i see what's going on now but it is it is a uh we do uh like a, a special meal so like everybody gets like their favorite dinner so like my wife really likes this shrimp pasta dish that i make so i made that um the girls love grilled cheese and tomato soup so we made that the baby loves everything so you can just pretty much feed her whatever she just doesn't care and uh i ate leftover what did we have oh pizza we had uh like brooklyn pie so i ate that for dinner nice well i stood out in the freezing cold saturday night to get romy flowers from her favorite place and by the end of it i thought i was gonna die i was shit my entire body was shaking and my feet and my ankles hurt so much because I stood, I waited in the line for like an hour and a half. Oh my God. The line was like 12 people deep and it takes so long for each person because they hand pick each flower and get it all ready. It's not just like a dozen roses, you know what I mean? There's all these weird, crazy things and they get it all and they arrange it all. And I I was hobbling home like an old man, like a crippled old man because my feet and my ankles hurt so bad. And Saturday was a brutal fucking cold absolutely yeah. brutal it was that was the day that it like uh i don't know if you guys had it like we did but we had like a, I, we had ice uh there's ice around but there wasn't ice falling or anything yeah we had uh we woke up sunday morning to a sheet of ice our street was a sheet of ice our driveway like actually that's what the girls did is i have a blank skateboard out in the garage they like went you know like sledding in the driveway with the skateboard nice yeah and then Sunday morning, I got up early and went out and bought roses for her daughter because her daughter was, I was afraid her, her daughter's boyfriend was going to ghost her because he got grounded or something and his phone was taken away and he wasn't getting back to her. And I was like, man, this, this person. So I went out and bought her a dozen roses. That was downright fucking kind of you, Keith. Did you ever, yeah. did you ever think in a million years, like just think of you at, 25 did you ever think you would be purchasing flowers for your significant other's child and doing it with the hopes of lifting their spirits did you ever think that would be a thing no when i was 25 my only priority was go to the 700 club get drunk get high if i could and hit on girls even though i already have a girlfriend i was like not a great person I actually, you know, it's really funny. I brought this up. I, I, I'm going to keep people's names out of this, but uh, I, I, I work with a person who is in the process of finishing a graduate degree and is struggling with some of these smaller assignments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am very, very good at writing very quickly. I'm not a good typer, but I can look at a, you know, they get for a lot of these grad classes, you just have to do these blog posts and then respond to other people's things. Um, so if you're one of the first people that posts, you don't have to necessarily respond to other people's things. You kind of set the tone of the post. So she was like, hey, this one's due this day. This one's due this day. This one's due this day. And she's also uh, like seven months pregnant. So I was like, yo, I'm going to help this girl out for real. And uh, I went and did it. And I was like, she's like, how much do I owe you? And I was like, what? She's like, how much do I owe you for doing that? And I was like, you can watch my classroom when I have to go to the bathroom when we're back in the class. <laughs> like you don't have to ever do anything for me. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like you don't have to do. And I'm like, dude, this is just, it, it's an easy thing for me to do. And on top of that, like 
it took me the better part of, for those three posts, it took me all of 25 minutes. And she's Mm. like, really? And I'm like, well, I've been working in education for 10 years. I'm able to just read the question and then use the dictation on my, on my phone. Like it's fairly straightforward. And she's like, that's amazing. She's like, that's a real gift. And I was like, well, thank you. But at the same time, it's also like, look, I'm glad I can help you out because I feel like it's penance for some of the shit I've done in my life. Exactly. I want to give back. And that's why we give back on this podcast, too. No paywalls, no Patreon, no pay to hear this or any of that. We just deliver the goods week after week. What do you think of that? This has always been a labor of love. This is always something we've wanted to do and something we do out of our want to do it. It's not because we think we're going to get a fucking contract or get an audience. But if anyone wants to give us a contract, please send it to us and we will... And review sure, it yeah no I, I i it's always something we've done because we loved it and uh and, and it is what it is like it's not going to sit around and i would hate for someone to be like i can't listen to it because i don't have or i don't want the subscription like that's so silly it's like look if you wanted to i don't know i just that bugs me when stuff is like that it think behind a paywall like if it's if it's quality content and i know that it's something that i really want to pay for like I'll do it. I'll go out of my way to pay for it. Like with, like, you know, with bands and stuff, I'll go out of my way to buy their merchandise just because I really like the band. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. We might have a Patreon one day. I would like to do a shirt for sure. At some point, I I just have no desire to have a Patreon going now just because I don't have, I don't even have the time to figure it out or get it up or anything like that. But we definitely want to do a shirt at some point that's going to happen. But yeah, you have a good, you have a cool design already kind of like in the works. I remember you telling me. Yes. So stay tuned. All right. So now we're going to talk to Tara Mayer. Enjoy. All right, folks, we're here now with Tara Mayer from the end of the ocean. Tara, welcome to the show. Howdy. How's it going today? You know, today's been a good day. I had to work the bar last night. I'm a bartender. So I, I slept in uh, pretty late this afternoon and got up and in my apartment and now i'm making some chili oh nice that's some excellent cold weather food how how late do you have to work uh when you're at the bar uh well now it's 2 30 the the governor of our state has kind of jerked us around a lot with the service industry stuff um i haven't closed the bar at 2 30 in about a year um and the last three shifts i've worked have been till 2 30 and that's quite the shock to the system especially considering i'm 35 years old and you know, going home at four thirty or five in the morning is pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, like living in New York City, bars are open until four a.m., which I still can't believe. And even when I was out there, like going nuts all the time, I only stayed out until bars closed maybe three or four times the entire time I lived here. Dude, I my famous story about Keith when we used to party back in the day is I went. We were like drinking we went out to the bar we were drinking came back to the house drinking hanging out and i went to keith and i was like i am so tired right now like it was like maybe three o'clock in the morning and i was like dude i gotta go to bed and he was like you can use my room and i was like aren't aren't you gonna use your room and he's like he just looked at me he took another sip of his beer and just started laughing and he was like behind his computer he's like no (laughs) i was like all right, so I'm going to go pass out. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> I had a room, and I didn't use it, I don't think, ever. <laughs> like, I just slept in the living room, which seems yeah. insane now, but, you know, those were different times. I, 
I know a few people that live in New York and I've, I've heard the same exact thing from them. Uh, they're also service industry and they basically just had a, a studio for like a crash spot. So they would go home, clean up, maybe eat a meal. And then they were just back out. New Yorkers are, are some very tough individuals. Moving here was so crazy because I was still on my wacky Philadelphia schedule and I would I would come home from work and I'd fall asleep by like 7 p.m. because I was just so tired all the time. I don't know, I guess from being out or whatever, being up too late. And now I'm on a, uh, I wake up at 8 a.m. and I go to bed at midnight, which is really late. Like I sometimes we won't start cooking dinner till 8 or 9 o'clock at night. And I think, I still think that's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah, it sounds like you kind of live my lifestyle. But by the way, I love Philly. Our our band as a as a whole, that's one of the highlights whenever we were on tour. It's like, oh yeah, we're gonna hit Philly. This is great. <laughs> I love that. Very strong post-rock scene and extremely strong music scene in general, which is why we started this whole podcast to begin with, because we grew up outside of Philly and you know, I lived in Philly for a long time and just a very, very, very rich music scene. So Tara, we're gonna take it back a little bit. Did you grow up in Columbus, Ohio? Um, I am actually born and raised from Seattle, Washington. Uh, like true, true Seattle, not, not the, not the burbs. Uh, yeah. and then I'm, I left Seattle when I was 21. I moved down to San Antonio, Texas for about two and a half years, hopped around to a few other States, moved back to Seattle. Um, but Columbus has been my home base for probably about a decade, a little over a decade now. How did you end up there? Was it because of the band or, you know, like, what? what's the deal? Uh, funny enough, I was married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, married. I was married, married. I was married. Yeah. Um, in fact, my my ex-husband was our original bassist. He's no longer in the band anymore. Um, but Is it uh, because of the breakup or did he just move on to other things? No, it was a little bit. A lot, it was I think he wanted to move on for a long time. He just didn't really have his heart in it it seemed at least to us um yeah and you know it was just just he, he, I, boy he's closing in on 40 now i believe so i mean we're all we're all getting older but it, it just seemed like he wasn't really feeling it anymore and we have a, a new basis now and he's he's really great he's actually uh originally from like his background's more metal which makes it really fun for us because our our drummer is also uh he, he has a metal background um, and, and played in a lot of punk and hardcore bands and all that. So it, it kind of just meshes very well. And I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I think at the end of the ocean is one of the only post-rock <laughs> bands who has a blast beat in one of their songs. Like the song, the Tommy texted me one time. He's like, he's like, yo, Jubilant has a blast beat in it. And I was like, what? And I went back and listened and I, I don't know, I guess I didn't process it at first. And I was like, that's sick. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think some of that is Wes uh, not wanting to do boring shit. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, honestly, the way we write as a band, we're usually we, we work best if we're all in the same room, which is really unfortunate right now with COVID and everything because we haven't seen each other all together, boy, in probably over a year. But I mean, a lot of the time that we're writing, it, it just kind of it, it's just us goofing off, and I think we were we were noodling around with like some different parts and, and Wes, I think was just bored and, and threw a blast beat in. And we were like, actually that that's pretty cool. <laughs> Let's keep that. It works so well. Yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, we're gonna, I'm going to get to uh, all the albums and stuff. But first, tell me a little bit about your musical background. Now, you play keys in End of the Ocean. Tell us about growing up and getting into music and playing music, like what kind of instruments you're working with and, you know, kind of what you're listening to musically. I grew up listening to a lot of um, metal. Uh, my favorite band still is, you know, I'm not a metal band, but Refuse is one of my top 10 favorite bands. Uh, but I also liked a lot of, you know, I, I, I've been spinning Isley lately, going down this nostalgic trip with that. And, you know, I, I just love a good variety of stuff. Honestly, um, I did not play any music before I joined the band. I, I was a, a fill-in because the boys had... Um, time booked with a studio for Pacific Atlantic and they needed a keyboard player to come in and play the keys. And they also had a couple um, show mm -hmm. dates scheduled. So they basically just taught me the parts. I'd never played piano really before in my life and I memorized them and they just never kicked me out. Wow. So that's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Cause I, I, I fool around on piano sometimes and I can, I can trick people into thinking I know how to play. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually want to, take lessons at some point but wow to just come in and kind of be swept up in the band like that is awesome well you know it, it i'm very very grateful to be in this band and and have the experiences that have come with it and and learning to play what little piano piano i do know at this point um at times though it's been so daunting because i have incredible bandmates and they're all so so talented um I mean, I think everybody in our band has been playing their entire life. Trish is only, I mean, she's in, she's on the later half of her twenties now, but she joined the band when she was 19 and she'd been playing since she was a child and she's an incredible guitar player. Same with Kevin. Wes, uh, Wes has been playing drums. I mean, he couldn't afford drums when he was a kid and he just used to, you know, banging out on buckets and pans, I guess. So, <laughs> I mean, everybody's just incredibly talented. So yeah. there's been a bit of a, there, there have been small eras in this band where I've definitely felt like an imposter. Um, I usually overcame that though, just <laughs> by deciding I was having too much fun and didn't care in the end. So it's, it's been, it's been fun. That's great. I think I felt like an imposter in every band I've ever been in. And uh, the way, the way my mind used to work, I'd be so paranoid. I'd be like, Oh, I'm bad. They think I'm bad. I'm going to get kicked out. And then, you know, everything's just fine. Yeah. I, I, I have to wonder if a lot of people actually go through that in in a band setting, I would be a little afraid of a bandmate who didn't have moments of insecurity like that. Cause that just screams narcissist. I to have me extreme for confidence. Some reason. Really? Yeah, exactly. Really in all situations, in every moment, you're extraordinarily <laughs> confident about how your, your capabilities. I, I don't buy it. I, cause I think that's one of those things where with somebody, if they're a gifted <laughs> player and they have that ability to play really well, they still have moments of like, you know what? Uh, what's the guy I follow on Instagram? Dean Lamb. He's like one of these, like he's in this uh, uh, metal band called Archspire. And it's like, they play stuff at like 280 beats per minute. And it's like, who does that? Like, and you see those type of people play. You're like, you have literally one, you have innate talent Two, you have dedicated your life to this. Like, this is just that, that, that technique of like being able to sweep very cleanly doesn't come naturally for most people. Like it's just hours upon hours of just rote memorization. And it's like, those guys know their music theory too. So I couldn't imagine being like, yeah, I know how to play guitar really well. And then seeing someone like that going like, yeah, you know what? Um, I guess I don't know it that well. 
Like everyone in the comments under their YouTube videos, like, okay, so I bought a guitar two months ago and I quit. Like I, I was, I love this band, but I'm quitting guitar because apparently you can't be that. Like, there's no way I'm ever going to get this good. The thing with people that good, they, they make it look easy. Like I, same thing, any, anyone that good at anything just makes it look easy. Like I watch these video game speedrunners, and they'll run old <laughs> Nintendo games and I'm like, oh, that's easy. I'm going to do that. And then I play it and I'm like, oh, I suck. I do that. Like, I do that with skateboarding. this game 30,000 times. Anything. I mean, honestly, any, anything that you're going to be good at, you have to, I mean, it's the same with writing, you know, like literature or essays or whatever, you know, whatever gets you going. It, that takes so much practice. And I, you like with musicians, I've had to wonder since being in the band, I mean, the band, I've been in the band for about 10 years now, I believe. Um, and you really have to wonder watching other people um, do their craft, especially with any musical instrument. You have to wonder if there's like some kind of weird OCD or uh, not to sound really weird, but like autism with it, where they're just so focused and the repetition does not bother them. Because that's that's one thing that, that that's when I've actually questioned myself because I do get bored and I can't focus like some of the musicians I've seen. And I just want to give up. And maybe that's probably that's probably why I'm not the best piano player in the world. I can make it work, but I've seen some incredible musicians, and it's just you know, the, just to think about all the hours they've spent perfecting that is just mind boggling to me. I think I've, I think I brought this up on the podcast before, but there's a guy from England. Uh, his name's Derek Paravincini, and uh, he was born with like a traumatic. He had a, some type of traumatic brain injury uh, when he was born, um, but he has that. Uh, like I think they said he has somewhere in the mental capabilities in terms of like social and, and emotional capabilities of like a five or six year old, but he can hear any piece of music and instantaneously repli- replicate it. And it's one of those things where it's like, there's untapped parts of our brain that we really haven't kind of touched on, but I think we kind of start to realize like, all right, this is going to take an enormous amount of effort and time. And I always think in terms of like, is my effort and time worth the outcome that i'm going to get from this because i always thought about guitar i'm like oh i really want to i always wanted to learn how to sweet pick really well and then i was like what are you really going to do with it's a party trick to me like that's what i would do i would wait for people to come to my house and be like all right that was it that was 60 hours worth of work (laughs) yeah i want to i want to learn to do that thing that the the emo guys do like that you know and then they slide up and they press it everywhere oh like the math rock yeah and uh, but i i i'm 39 i I, i'm not going to be able to dedicate the time to doing that so i just have to let it go yeah so can i ask you guys why do you what what kind of musical background do either of you have because i i'm just now meeting you so uh i played in a band uh when i was from the time i was 15 till i was i guess 18 Right, right in high school, right at the end of high school, uh, we broke up. But I was in a band called Audience of One, and the lead singer of that was Anthony Green that went on to go form Circa Survive. Um, so I played music. I played in that band. I played bass and I played guitar. Um, we kind of switched up roles depending on certain kind of uh, – actually, at, depending on who was available at that point or – who was able to play the guitar parts there. Sometimes Anthony was just like, I can't play this. You're playing the guitar. So, um, but that was really, that's my only musical background. I don't even, I don't own a bass anymore. Uh, I own a guitar 
and you know i own a, a handful of guitars and that's it uh i play guitar with my daughters now that's about the extent of my musical oh and i took piano lessons when i was growing up for probably like a year and a half maybe maybe two years until finally i just got to the point where i was just like i don't enjoy this and my mom was spending money on it and my older sister was very good at it she my sis, my older sister did that suzuki method so she learned uh, violin and piano in tandem I, I had no interest in violin, so I just took piano lessons. And finally, my mom was like, uh, she was like, did you practice today? I was like, no. And I was like, I, I don't like it. I don't like doing this. And she's like, well, I'll call Miss Yuzaki. You can quit. And I was like, done. Like, that was it. So I, that was it for me. But that's pretty much, I only really played in the, I, Audience of One and I, a couple other bands that were really just like jokes, like just kind of like me and my friends kind of like screwing around. You filled in for A Life Once Lost a couple of times too, right? <gasps> Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, that they were like, epi- yeah. So I think it was a couple shows for, it was long, long time ago when Rich was in the band. Um, I, I just knew the break. I knew the open parts. I knew the breakdowns. So I was able to kind of fudge the other parts or really, honestly, I know when we, there, there was a show, I think at Birch Hill, um, when there was all the, you know, really techie, I just turned down and just kind of like mimed it. And then when it would come to the <laughs> breakdown, dun, yeah. dun, 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 I would just turn back up and play it. Um, but yeah, no, that was like, those were like few and far between because it was like someone was late or their ride fell through. And it was just like, I just had to fill in because rich couldn't make it those days. And it was, I think, yeah, I think it was only two or three shows. Maybe it was, I think it was only two, but yeah. And me, I, I play guitar as my primary. I do play bass too, a little piano. I've been in a bunch of bands, but nothing nothing that ever toured or anything like that. And my last project was the first band I fronted, and we put out an EP. Shit, how long ago was that now? Like two years ago. Yeah, and the I don't know, the band just fell apart before we even got to the first show. But we got to record the record, so I'm happy about that. And... uh I, I want to play again. It just has to be the right situation and the right people because, you know, I, I'm older now. Time, you get you have less and less time as time goes on. Yeah, I, I think about the tours that we've done as a band, especially early on. And whew, uh, we, we don't tour the same way that we did when we were younger, <laughs> when we were in our early 20s, because that was just miserable. Uh, we, <laughs> we're definitely more creatures of comfort now. And... Luckily, too, we have so many years under our belt that we all kind of know how to work with each other. It's like cogs in a watch. It's like, all right, you're going to go over there. I'm going to go over here. We all know what we, what we like and dislike for the most part. It's, it's like being in a marriage, honestly. I'm, I'm married to four other people. That's what it feels like. <laughs> no, but Tara, what you said about, you know, the band being like a marriage is so true. You know, with my last band... I'm trying to coordinate the schedules of four people, and it was impossible. Like, I could not get people to show up to practice or call me back. I kept trying out bass players. I could never find one who would learn the parts, or I I just couldn't do it. So eventually I gave up. So I think if I joined another band, I would just join an existing project and then try to network from there, because starting from scratch and putting it all together is incredibly difficult. I was just going to say, on top of, you know, coordinating schedules and and you know all of us having to adjust our lifestyles accordingly to make tour happen and and recording and all that and and writing you know 
going along with the line of um, people's different scales of talent. I mean, that's another like very vulnerable thing to show each other. Uh, you know, it can be very awkward at times. I know at this point, if one of us fudges something up, we can laugh it off. But I, I have seen my bandmates get flustered because they know they're messing up and they, they can't figure out a part or, you know, whatever. And it, it's, it's, it's very, very vulnerable. It's like, um, it, again, it, the marriage thing is the perfect analogy. It's, it's being with somebody, being intimate with them in ways that no one else is. And you got to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. And you spend a lot of time together, especially touring. And, you know, with the end of the ocean, I actually didn't hear of you guys until the 2019 album came out, which surprises me because I had like a post-rock awakening in 2006 when I discovered the music and just went on a deep dive. And I listened to everything, everything I could get my hands on. So, you know, back in the day when Pacific Atlantic was out, were you guys touring a lot? Were you doing like a lot of national tours and that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, we actually did uh, our biggest tour to date. Unfortunately, that was in 2012. So we haven't done a tour of the same scale, but we did uh, coast to coast. So we started East Coast, went West, and then journeying our way through the South back up to Ohio. Uh, that was about a, almost a month and a half. And that was our first major tour that we'd done with each other, which was incredible and frustrating and revealing and so much damn fun. Um, but we're pretty lucky now, being that we're in a landlocked, very small state. I mean, you know, we, we've got Philly seven hours away. New York's about 10 or 12. We can go south, south to the Carolinas. We can go down to Georgia. You know, everything is so easy that even if you're only out for like a week, week and a half, maybe two weeks, you can still hit a lot of major cities and have a blast doing that as well. But um, obviously, because of COVID, we're not going anywhere right now. Um, our last tour was with uh, Holy Fawn and Oh Brother. And that was a blast. I believe that was, boy, that was springtime 2019, I believe. Yeah, I think it was fall of 2019. And I always remember because it was right around when I got together with my girlfriend and we went to that show, we went to that tour. And I have to say, your set was the best set I saw in 2019. Damn, thank you. <laughs> yes. I have to ask, the, there was a sample dropped in the set somewhere. I think it was Sylvester Stallone. What is that from? Oh, I think that's from Rocky Five. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've used that soundbite for so long, and we've tried to change them out. Um, just to keep things fresh whenever we hit the road again, but it's too damn good. You know, if we're lagging or if we're not feeling we're in a very good mental space, for some reason, that little sound clip just gets us amped up and it's like, all right, we're going to rip through this set. Fuck everything. Let's do it. It's so good. I I love that one. It really did. Like I got emotional and like, like pumped up hearing it. It, it works. I can't explain it, but it works. Rocky Five is the one where Rocky doesn't even fight until the end of the movie, right? Like that's the one where he trains Tommy Gunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I, I think you're right. <laughs> it's not a very good movie, but the that little line. I, oh God, I'm trying to think. I used to know this thing by heart. Uh, I haven't listened to it since tour, actually. Uh, but you know, just the the whole like, yeah, the world's gonna be against you. You got to figure it out, kid. You know, it, it, that just works on so many levels wow. and. You know, especially as a band that doesn't have any any lyrics and, you know, you can emote all kinds of different things through just the music. 
it's it's nice to have those little sound bites in there, uh, especially since everybody in our band, except for Trish and I, um, they've been part of the hardcore metal scene for so long. So it, it's it's really kind of hard for them to resist putting you know a motivating kind of shout out in the middle of our set. So that's such a product of hardcore, I think, and I I do it with the podcast too. Like all the samples I always wanted to use for bands that I never got a chance to, I drop them in the beginning of the podcast now when one comes up. I always had the best idea. I wanted to use this for the longest time and then I heard somebody else use it and it was the, do you remember that movie, The Burbs with Tom Hanks? Oh yeah. Uh, I, I want, want to kill, kill everyone. everyone. Satan is good. Satan is my pal. And the whole thing is Tom Hanks in the background going la 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 la. It's the greatest thing in the world because I just wanted to use that as like the opening. And then I, I was listening to something. This was only a few years ago. Reversal of Man fucking uses it. And I was like, never mind. There we go. God damn it. That was going to be my go-to. Like that was what I, like I didn't have a band and have any music written, but I would, that was the sample. That was what was getting used. Have you guys heard the the monologue by uh, Charlie Chaplin um, in uh, The Great Dictator? I think yeah. that was the movie. I don't want to make war no. anymore. I, I want to oh, make man. peace. Oh, man. There was somebody, there was a uh, a viral video going around for a very long time that had that as the background. And I remember finding out, I was like, wait, Charlie Chaplin spoke in movies? Like, I, I had no idea that, that he, like, I had always thought of him as like the silent film actor. Like, you know, I always thought of him as like him and like Buster Keaton or like these people, like, you know, physical comedy kind of like emoting with their faces like that. That was like the whole gig. And then when you see that thing, it's actually, it it's, it's. It's a little shocking to see it because it really is him dressed as like a Hitler type person and giving a speech. And you're like, hey, what's happening right now? <laughs> like it's, it's a little off putting at first. I, I definitely had a, a night because we I don't know if you guys had quarantine in your city. I'm guessing most cities in the U.S. had quarantine. But we were shut down for like two and a half months. And I I remember one late night I hadn't I I had totally forgotten about that speech. And we used to actually use that as an opener to our set when when the band first started playing shows. And uh, I was uh, I was a little drunk one night and emotional sitting on my stoop. And uh, I think there was just some bullshit political stuff going on, obviously, with Trump and everything. And I cued that that monologue up and just sobbed. <laughs> it was a very cathartic <laughs> sob, though. I was like, this is so good. It's incredible the like the things that can just turn on the waterworks. Like I'll hear a song from an old game or I don't know, just like a, a soundtrack from a movie like a musical cue and i'm like oh, oh it's coming like, <laughs> if you're in the end of the ocean and you don't like the ocean that's bad pr <laughs> <laughs> it's so silly though we're all in landlocked states i mean we get made we get teased a lot about our band name and i i did not name the band i personally am not a huge fan of the name but we've had it for so long we can't change it now so <laughs> i actually really like it because I'm kind of obsessed with the ocean. I don't like, I don't do anything with it, but you know, I I like watch shark videos and you know, if there's like a deep sea crash, it's just, I don't know. It's really fascinating. It's almost like besides space, it's like the last frontier. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand why. So it, it would, Kevin and my ex-husband were, they're the band forefathers. Like they, they're the ones who put it together. Originally it was going to be an ambient project and, and Kevin's bedroom, they were just, you know, putting tracks together and playing around. And uh, of course the, the hardcore kid in my, in my ex was trying to think of the most epic post-rock name. <laughs> and that's what he came up with. And I, I believe I asked him, are you sure? <laughs> 
because I can help you find something better. <laughs> but they, they, they stuck with that. I mean, and you know, it, it's, it's not a terrible name. It's just, it, it, I kind of, I feel like um, newer post-rock bands have way cooler names. And back when we first started getting obsessed with post-rock and listening to it more and more, you did have those really long, ridiculous names, like for songs and, and for the, the band name and, and album name and, you know, so on and so yeah. forth. So it's it's kind of it's it's a little aged at this point, but I mean we have been around for a little over ten years now, and you know it is what it is, right? And I think I think it's good. And my my philosophy on band names is if we're if we're naming a band and I don't absolutely hate the band name, I'm like fine, let's let's just do it because the first band I was ever in, we went through such an ordeal trying to name the band. And one guy was fixated on this name that I just thought was completely horrible. And I, I basically said, like, no, like, I'm not going to be in the band if we name it this. Like, oh, no. Oh, wow. So, so, and it was such a battle. And then we finally, like, settled on another name. And so now I'm like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, I don't hate it. I'll go with it. Yeah, I mean, at least our band isn't called We Butter the Bread with Butter. Because, I mean, that's an actual band name. And that is probably the worst one I've ever heard. So I guess things <laughs> could be way, way worse. But... Yeah, and my another thing is like, and Tommy, you're gonna laugh, but I'm bringing up Corn again. Corn's band name is Corn. They're terrible. It's a terrible name. It's a terrible name. And look at their success. So it it really like it's just about the band. Just to bring you up to speed on this, we are obsessed with (laughs) one thing. There is a performance from Woodstock '99 of Corn, and it's the opening song that they played. It is a fucking wave of humanity just oh jumping up and down. It is like I I liked corn when I was in like seventh or eighth grade. And I remember like being like, wow, this has like a cool groove to it. When you see a huge group of people, even though I don't really identify with the music anymore, I still I get goosebumps watching that video like that. I'm, I'm going to bring that up tonight. I'll have to look at that. Oh, that my God. Tara, you got to check it out. It's so cool. And it's like again it's one of those things where you're like their stage presence is cool like they they come across like they milk the opening really well like it's uh it's that song blind so it starts out with that nice it is fucking awesome yeah so my we recommend it to everybody now actually phil from uh caspian was on the show he turned us on to the clip oh really he's the one that sold us on it yeah, and now every like as a as a line item, every person that's on the show, I'm like, check out the corn uh, performance at Woodstock '99. But it's incredible to see fifty thousand people all jumping up and down in unison. It's like it's it's really something to behold. Can you imagine that as as a performer? No, no. I I that that's got to be that's got to be better than drugs. <laughs> Honestly. Oh yeah. It really it I mean, really like, absolutely it, has to be. It's just that's that's gotta be pure ecstasy. Just all these people have listened to every single note I have laid down on these tracks and they can repeat my lyrics back to me verbatim and they've spent time with me without me even knowing it. That that's gotta be just insane to see in front of you. What's the most people you've ever played to? Ooh. Um <laughs> Well, granted, it was uh, the post-rock festival over in um, Belgium. So we were at uh, Dunk Festival, which is the single greatest experience of my life, personally. Um, I think we were in front of uh, probably between 750, maybe 800 people. 
Um, wow. And that, that was very, very intimidating. We had never played in front of more than 200 people at that point. And um, they were, I remember they were setting us up. They did, um, they did the sound check. Uh, one of the stage hands accidentally ripped one of my cords out of my, uh, out of my keyboard and it bent and I started freaking out. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so I'm not going to be able to play the set. Uh, but everything turned out fine. Uh, after like the first song, the the nerves just kind of melted away and you can't really see any individual faces. So you just kind of focus on what you're doing and try to soak it in as much as possible. Right. Yeah. I've, I've only played to a few hundred people max. One of my bands opened for rival schools before at a pretty sizable club. Nice. So I think, I think that was the biggest, but I have a friend who is in a band that will, they've done a stadium tour. Whoa. And I'm like, I'm like, how can you even like, I'm like, what is that like? And he said, you know, it, it's just after a certain point, you, it's just whatever. Like you, you know, it's just too big to even comprehend really. Yeah. Like you're just, you're just playing. You're just playing. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm sure most musicians uh, would probably say that they, they still enjoy the smaller shows, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, we, we were really, really lucky the summer before uh, COVID, we had a um, music festival on hundreds of bands. And it just so happened that the day that uh, Refused and the Distillers, and I think there's one other band, um, they got rained out. So they started calling around to different clubs, like smaller size venues um, around town. And there, there's a venue that was just down the street from my apartment. And uh, they were refused, decided to just put on a free show. Um, they weren't going to take any of the guarantee. They, they weren't asking for a guarantee. They took all the door money and donated it to like Planned Parenthood and some other things. And uh, the capacity of that venue was 300 people. And that was, that is still like the most incredible thing that I've ever experienced as, as a show goer. I could, you know, again, my favorite band, I'd never seen them before. And it just so happens they got rained out and they just wanted to play. And I got to see them for like 15 bucks. And that was so awesome. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it at all. That's awesome. Yeah, one of my favorites like that is uh, Mineral at St. Vitus. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was epic. And I, oh, God, I wish I would have caught Hum at St. Vitus. Ooh, I love they Hum. Play, yeah, they're like they're like my Bible band. Like, I, you know, I, I worship at their altar. But, <laughs> man, I... I I don't know why I didn't go to the St. Vitus gig. I think I had tickets for another one, but hey, I got to see him finally, so so it's all good. St. Vitus is pretty cool, although I will say I'm always afraid I'm going to topple off of the stage whenever we play there for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Pacific Atlantic comes out in 2011, mm-hmm. and the next album, Air, am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Okay, the next album, Air, doesn't come out till 2019. Why such a big gap? Well, we had, um, we had our EP in Excelsis come out. Um, it was a few years after Pacific Atlantic. Uh, granted, that's just an EP, but um, we had talked about writing another album, um, another uh, full length for a while. And I, I mean, some of us had moved out of state temporarily. Um, other people were just going through some, some personal issues and, uh, our band just, I think I said earlier, we, we just don't do very well um, recording things on our own and then trying to just send them, you know, to each other and, and work it out. Um, so, you know, we just, we weren't in the same room together. Finally, we all just kind of 
reconvene back in Columbus, except for Trish. She's always lived in uh, Detroit. And um, we just decided, well, I mean, if, if we're going to do this, let's write one last album. You know, like we weren't sure if the band was going to stay together, if, if we were all going to just move on. It's kind of been, you know, this is, this is our baby, but um, we're also pretty aware that, you know, we have lives and we're all, you know, pretty much in our thirties and just trying to get through. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We, we just started jamming. Um, I was also going through a divorce at the very end of that writing process. So that was pretty interesting. Um, I know for me, it became personally very, very um, important that we finish that up and, and, and have something to show. Um, we also wanted to go back on tour, you know, just have the whole thing. Like, let's just do this one last time at least, you know, let, let's just do it. Right. And I'm glad you did because one, I got to discover the band and two air is just, it's such a great album. I mean, so much growth from Pacific Atlantic. You're just like such a well-oiled machine now. And like I mentioned before, my favorite live performance that I saw in 2019, that was an incredible show. You guys, Holy Fawn and Psalm opening mm-hmm. and then Oh Brother headlining. What, what city did you see us in? Oh, in Brooklyn at St. Vitus. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, New York, we love, we love playing New York, but for some reason, something always goes wrong there. And in Chicago, like Chicago is our biggest curse city ever. We love Chicago and we love our friends out there, but for some reason, something always breaks or the set goes weird or something happens, but <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad you enjoy the performance. <laughs> oh yeah. It was excellent. And about the songwriting, and I'm curious about this for post-rock, are the songs still about specific things? Well, I know for Pacific Atlantic, we definitely generally got the same emotions from the songs that we wrote and put together. And, and the song titles are actually from a poem book uh, that Kevin had found in the studio that we were recording in. And we just thought it sounded cool and it was nautical and we just went with that. Um, I know with Air, the writing process was actually really difficult for us for some reason. It was just, we would get so frustrated sometimes and there are a handful of songs that mean something different to each one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's a couple that Trish had written on her own, at least the the foundation of it. Um, I know she's discussed this in interviews before, so I don't feel like I'm re- revealing anything too personal, but I know she was struggling deeply with depression. And um, so some of those were born from, from those heavy emotions. I know Kevin had a huge part in, in some of the songs. I know bravado was like his baby uh, when we started writing that. And, and, you know, I'm, I know I, I feel differently about that song than, than he does. I, you know, I love the song, but I know he, there's different emotions behind it. Right. Uh, he also named it. <laughs> <laughs> I always so, yeah. like that song title. Yeah. It's a great title. I, I freaking love it. And also Kevin is the one who, uh, who suggested air for the, the um, album title. And that little squiggly thing in front of it, is that like officially part of the album title? Yeah, yeah. I'd have to look back on text messages to to see specifically what he said about that. But it, it it's basically, you know, to be of substance of, you know, it, it's open-ended. Was there any talk like, uh, no, we can't do that because it, it'll be too hard to hashtag and that'll decrease our likes? Whoa, uh, I don't think we even <laughs> thought about that. Holy shit, no. <laughs> <laughs> We were just hoping that, I mean, we, we were, we were getting signed to, um, equal vision and, you know, we've been talking to like our A&R person and all that stuff. And they, they were actually very 
open to whatever ideas we have. But man, I guess we're kind of old and we didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that sometimes. I'm like, if I was in a band, I would have to I would have to think of a name that's like completely unique to throw in a hashtag. Wow. Well, you know, when we write our next record, we'll have to keep that in mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I we, we you were in our favorite albums of what was it 2019 yeah. yeah so um and i remember posting it i'm like do i put the squiggly will this can the squiggly be in a hashtag i don't know you know baby you can do whatever you want we don't care <laughs> <laughs> how have you been faring during covid i honestly can't believe that it's been almost a year i feel sometimes i feel like this thing started a, a month ago sometimes i feel like it started 10 years ago I don't know. I'm 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 adjusted. I'm adjusted. I I work from home. I worked from home mainly before this thing even hit. Uh this this podcast is kind of a product of COVID. Tommy and I nice. recorded the first four episodes in person, but we didn't know what it was going to be or how long how often it was going to air. And then I figured out how to do all this stuff remotely, and now it's weekly. Every single week a new episode guest or not so i'm happy about that and you know i'm kind of a homebody i do what i do at home everything that i do can be done at home and it's hard it's hard like today i took the subway for the first time in a long time and i i was lugging a suitcase and my laptop bag with me and i was winded i was like <laughs> oh shit if i have to ever start doing this a lot again i'm fucked like so how how are you faring tara like financially mentally everything well, uh, I'll be honest, lately a lot better. Um, yeah. I, I would definitely say that this whole experience with the pandemic was very, very devastating to me for a, a long time. Um, I think a lot, a lot of it, at first I was, I was in denial. Um, staying home for two and a half months was crazy. I did enjoy it at first. I, you know, it was nice. I had no responsibilities. I just stayed at home. I could read, I can watch TV, you know, whatever. Um, I have a cute dog and she really loved it. <laughs> um, but you know, after we, after the quarantine was lifted and we had to go back to work, um, you know, bartending has been no breeze at all. I mean, it, it's a tough job as it is, but to add all of the, um, you know, just the, the likelihood that I could get this virus just by going to work is pretty maddening. Um, yeah. And you know, money is not the same. So, you know, there's been, it's been a little touch and go sometimes as far as like fin finances and everything. Um, we're back to, like I said earlier, we're, we're back to a 2.30 close. So, I mean, I, I think things will start to kind of even out, but it's, it's, it's pretty terrifying. And, you know, when, when the quarantine was lifted at first, people were so kind and so generous and they, they, they saw the bar as a privilege and not a right. And now it's kind of flip-flopped where they think that they have every right to do whatever they want. Oh. Mm. Um, so like to live in that world, and I myself, I'm a pretty empathetic and sensitive person. Uh, it's hard not to take that personally sometimes where in my head, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you care about my well-being? Because I care about yours. <laughs> and that's just, right. that's just not the case. Um, but, you know, I think what's really helped me in the last month and a half or so has um, I, I decided I wasn't going to be afraid to go to the gym anymore. So I've been going to the gym almost daily and lifting weights. And that really, that's that's a great catharsis. Um I, I'm really excited for when the band can actually get back together and write together. So uh, I, I wish I could say I was more adjusted. Um, 
I don't know. I like I said uh, when we were warming up. I, I thought I had to put a mask on to talk to you guys through the, po- <laughs> through the <laughs> podcast because <laughs> that's you know that it's, it's it is weird. Some of those things are so ingrained now. You know, if you're going to go outside, put a mask on. If you're going to go to the grocery store, put a mask on. And it, it, it's it's strange. It's not foreign anymore to me. You know, it's so normal. Like I'm I'm used to it. Sometimes I walk around my apartment without realizing I still have my mask on from when I went outside to go. You know, go get groceries or whatever. <laughs> Me too. I love it. I When I come home, I leave it on for like another 20 minutes. Yeah. I don't know why. And I I might, I might think I'm going to keep doing it even when the pandemic is over. Because one, it keeps your face warm in winter. Oh my God. Two, I'm really shy, so it'll, it hides my face. If I have a mask on and sunglasses, I'm completely anonymous. And, oh, yeah. you know, just, just this pandemic in general, I... I'm afraid of things going back to normal. I'm I'm thinking of becoming an anti-vaxxer just so I can like <laughs> just so I can drag this thing out some more oh, and God. like have an excuse to stay home. So you're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, what that is that is actually the one thing I'm very grateful for with this pandemic is I can talk mad shit on the people I don't like that come into my bar and they have no idea. I just keep my <laughs> Oh yeah. Keep the voice lower, they can't read lips, they can't see what I'm saying. <laughs> Tara, what are some of the difficulties the uh, the band faces? Like, what's a what's a recurring thing? And let me give me a, let me give you an example. My last band, I think I was the only one really fully committed, so I could not get the bass player to even learn the set. I could not get the guitar player to respond to my texts, and the drummer was in another band, so he was always busy. So everyone was just involved in other stuff, and I struggled to get everyone to practice once a week, which is what I wanted. So what are, what are some of the struggles the end of the ocean has had or some recurring things that you guys have to work through? Communication. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we all, we all love each other. We all care about each other. Uh, but there have been in local, luckily we don't get in a lot of arguments with each other. Um, but there have been a couple of times where we've had to make everyone sit down in the same room and just, suck the poison out, say what you need to let's, you know, don't be mean about it, but let's, let's just get this over with. What, what is everyone feeling? What's everyone thinking? And uh, let's get some clarity, you know, and and maybe if, if something is bothering somebody, just say it, please don't, don't do, you know, the weird tension stuff. I, I personally don't like that. I don't think anyone else in the band does either, but you know, it's, it's a vulnerability thing. You know, if, by admitting that something bothers you that, you know, that's very personal. So that that's something we've had to deal with a couple of times, but other than that, we're really good at making sure that when we're going to practice, we get together and practice. It's very important, especially because Trish has to travel down from Detroit. So, you know, her time is precious and, and we never want to squander that. Um, and we do generally like hanging out with each other. So that's always a good thing. That's good. And yeah, when I'm involved in a, collaborative creative project nowadays i'm committed to not being an asshole or making it weird so i i just like to be very open and communicative and you know not i I used to let my ego get in the way and i would want to control things too much but now i mean i i used to be like addicted to drugs and you know an alcoholic so there was there was that whole level of crazy and that would cause some problems in bands just because of the way I process things and all that stuff. But now, you know, with some clarity and uh, with some humbleness, I just try to keep things very cool. And we've mentioned this on the show before, but when Tommy and I started this, like so many times I've started fr- bands with friends 
and the thing just ends up disintegrating. And then I never talk to those friends again. Mm. And I did not want that to happen with Tommy because uh, Tommy and I have known each other since we were like 16. Yeah. So when we first got together, you know, before we recorded the first episode, I was like, if we have any problem, we're going to talk about it. You know, nothing will get in the way of friendship. Nothing. Plus, it'd be so lame to have a fight over a podcast. You know? Oh my god! <laughs> and we, and we, you know what? We've we've had like back and forth where like we've gotten upset at each other, and we literally just go, "All right, let's just talk about this." Yeah. yeah. And it, we've talked about it on through text, and then the fun part is, is like we'll bring it to the show because like that's part of what we want to do is kind of bring like this is we've been friends like Keith said we've been friends for twenty three years. Like yeah. <laughs> this has a been a long time. time. Yeah. Uh, so like it, it's, it's one of these things that like we want to make sure. And I did the math on that wrong. It's not 23 years. Is it? Yo, you're a math teacher, dude. Yo, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? I, I literally just, I, I, as I said it, I was like, that's not right, but let's continue with the thought. And then I was like, no, wait, I got to go back and correct that. But, I'll do a voiceover with the right number, whatever it is, <laughs> to, to save your career. <laughs> like that Simpsons, <laughs> Mr. Black. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, do, uh, so like, uh, we brought it to the show because I think that's one of the things that we consistently try to come back to is like, we have themes besides Costco and corn and and Woodstock 99 on this show. <laughs> uh, but like one of the things we come back to is like, that's what hardcore and like music brought to a lot of us is not only just a, a peace of mind, a kind of like, you know, ability to escape from reality, but it brought us all closer together. And it, it, it kind of like gelled us as friends in a way that, you know, especially Keith and I have really over the past like probably five or six years just exchange text of like have you heard this band check out this track yeah check this out like we i get excited over i I sent something to keith on sunday night and i'm like no death metal is not your thing however (laughs) found this band and i think they're phenomenal check out this drummer and he was like all right cool i'll check it out like no i still have to listen to that my bad yeah Uh, (laughs) but it's it's something that we've come back to is like let's bring the let's bring bring reality to the show like because that's what this is is this is about one of the recurring things is that friendship and and the bond that we've always had and the the bond of like all the people that we grew up with because when we were playing shows and going to shows it was you know two three shows a week we were going to and it became this very you know uh close-knit group of people that you and you looked forward to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, cause you knew you were going to see your friends and seeing your friends make music and seeing your friends do something productive and creative was awesome. And that's what we wanted to do with this was like, let's talk to our friends that have done this stuff. And then let's start talking to people. We've always wanted to talk to let, let's start bringing in things like, you know, uh, Keith found a band that was from Germany called Chiefland. And he was like, dude, I love this band. They're so great. And somehow he got them on. And it was like, you know, we're talking to these kids that are like, you know, they were young, like 23, 24 years old, but like, we're talking to these dudes. And it's like, these guys are like making music that we appreciate. And on top of that, we kind of have a little bit of a platform now where we can expose people to, you know, like, Hey, you know, don't your escape plan. Great. You should check this band out too. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it's become kind of this uh conduit of like, we like this 
you know, a certain types of music. And we want to expose as many people as we possibly can, because we know that sometimes being in a band, that existence of like playing shows and playing to the same group of people, it, you sometimes feel like it's futile. Like I, I'm doing all of this work and for what? And it's like, if we can, we have the the opportunity to expose people to stuff that we think is, is, is amazing. We should use it. Like this is always kind of come back to like the core of what we want to do. Uh, have you guys ever heard of the band uh, Year of No Light? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. So they're so they're French, right? They're, are, yes. They're, so are they from Quebec? Or are they from actually from France? Um, no, they're actually from France. I couldn't tell you what city. I think it's a smaller one. And okay. unfortunately, when I last saw those guys, they don't speak a whole lot of English. Okay. Um, but oh my god, I've seen them. I've seen them live twice. One time was in Seattle, Washington. The other time was um at a dunk festival. Absolutely incredible. Two drummers live. It was. Oh, so somebody, good. somebody described them one time and I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Their description was it's the cure meets ISIS. <laughs> what? Dude, Yo, I have to hear this band. It's like, um, okay. Take the like really kind of melodic kind of catchy parts of like the cure and mix it with that ultra low guttural kind of droning sound that mm-hmm. isis produces and it's like they do it in a way that think of the heavier parts of like holy fawn yeah it's, it's very reminiscent of that very very much that same thing yeah send that to me later so i don't forget oh for sure it's 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 hypnotizing there the first time i listened to them we were on tour in the winter time and it, you know like when the snow is hitting your windshield and you feel like you're doing like hyperspace or whatever from yeah. that. <laughs> so, <laughs> So Kevin was driving and he decided he wanted to listen to Year of No Light. I'd never heard them before. It's probably after midnight. And so we're having the hyperspace thing go on. He puts that band on. He puts on Osserwelt. And I lost track of like who I was, what I was doing, <laughs> what year it was. It was incredible. Hey, Tara, do you ever get like, do you ever get like writer's block or something like that? And you feel like you're never going to be able to write anything anymore. Like that's going to be it. Oh yeah, that was pretty much the entire writing process for me for uh for air. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, unfortunately, uh, my personality sometimes a, a really big motivator for me is by getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd be in practice, and I would just feel this internal just inferno inside. I was just so angry at myself, or you know, frustrated by the situation. And that's usually when I would like just try something random on the on the piano because everybody else is dicking around not paying attention and i'd listen to me like oh we could probably use that you know and you know maybe wes would just start playing along with whatever repetitive thing i was doing and and it kind of built from there there's there's a couple songs where that songs were born that way um but yeah i mean so much of it, it it's like um it's like you're too aware of yourself and so i think sometimes like a an extreme emotion like at least for me the anger or the frustration kind of like lifts this heavy self-awareness and you just kind of try i don't know take a chance and something happens so yeah and yeah you just have to stick with it and i i feel like that with with this podcast sometimes there'll be stretches where i can't get a guest i'm like oh i guess that's it no one else is going to talk to us. <laughs> and then someone finally gets back to me and I'm like, yes, we're back in it. So I, I was happy when you agreed to come on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is fun. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yet, yeah, it's 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 just fun. You know, we we get to have in-depth conversations with friends we mo- a lot of friends we haven't talked to in a while and and bands we love the end of the ocean being one of those so what are the future plans for the band um we would love to go back to europe yeah we, we had one tour over there that was that was life-changing very very cool i wish that we had booked it a little better um but we would love to go back there it, it, going to europe as a band is so different than anything you'd experience over here in the states um and we would try to explain that explain that to uh, European bands because they kept on telling us, so we want to go to the States and tour and we would look at them and say, why? <laughs> 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 I mean, we didn't want to discourage them, but at the same time, it's, you know, we, we were trying to explain to them, you have it so much better over here. <laughs> you know, venues actually take care of you. They actually give a shit. Uh, people care about the arts, like, you know? Um, but yeah, that, that was an incredible experience. I, and I think we, I, I do, I do know that we want to write another, another record. So I, hopefully it's not going to take us, you know, what was it? Six, seven years. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, th- those are definitely the goals, but you know, clearly we have to get through this, uh, this great pandemic before that can even really be attempted. So. Right. And I'm, I'm happy to hear that you guys at least want to write another record because era was just fantastic. And I would love to hear more, but yeah, bands always say touring in Europe is so much better. Is that it? Like, is it kind of the American versus European experience? Like here in America, it's just a big fuck you. And you know, the, the corporation takes all the money and you get nothing and play, you know, like that type of deal versus where in Europe they, is it more structured? Do they look out for you more? Oh, they look out for you so much. I mean, you know, they, they feed you a meal. Um, they guarantees were always given. I mean, we've, we've previously been on tours in the U S where, um, we've almost gotten into fights with um, whoever the menu man or the, the venue man manager was because they would just refuse to pay us. And, you know, we just, and back then we weren't even asking for very much is pretty much just give us gas money. Yeah. You know, we were, we were just starting out, but you know, uh, got a couple hardcore kids in our, in our band. So they weren't too afraid to <laughs> puff their chests out a little bit, but um, that's great. You know, but like in Europe, you know, there, there was just, I don't know if, if it's because a lot of those countries over there are socialists. So there's kind of a, like psychically they are aware of helping each other and there's just this general ease about everyone being provided for that. It kind of just translates to also, you know, how they treat their musicians and their artists. I mean, there was a a venue in Italy that we played um, and they paid us from basically a stipend that the government would give them monthly. And basically the the government just said, well, here you there, this is the amount of money we can give you divvy it out for guarantees so that bands can come and perform in your venue. So that was, a, that was not a cost for them at all. You know, like they, they had to obviously pay for their lights, the sound, stuff like that. But that was so cool when I heard that the government was that supportive. And honestly, I don't know if I'd want the U S government involved in our arts at all, but the <laughs> they can have. Yeah. I think that's a terrible have, idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But you know, it's just that idea that they have a system set up, you know, where they want, they want people to come visit. They want people to come through the city and enjoy themselves and enjoy free music. And, you know, that's just incredible. That's, that's a really cool mindset. Can you imagine if our country hearing that like really depresses me? Imagine if our country did stuff like that. It it just really bums me out how it's every man for himself here. And if you're, if you try to help people or I don't know if you're, if you're getting help, it's like frowned upon. 
Yeah, you know, that was the really weird thing. Um, that was the first thing that really shocked me um, and made me very aware of my Americanness was when we went to a uh, dunk festival in Belgium and um, the the family that puts on that, that festival was showing us around, showing us where the band quarters were, you know, where we could get beer and food and water and, you know, everything else. And um, they, they offered us, I can't remember what they offered us. It was, it was something random. And um, we automatically out of our American politeness, politeness uh, declined it. And yeah. they were really confused by it. And they're like, no, please, we mean it. Can you, you know, please take this? And it, it might've been a meal or something. And um, it was weird because the way it flipped back, at least in my mind was, oh, like this is our ego saying no. And we feel guilt for accepting anything. And here there's, they don't have that attachment to their generosity. It's just, here you go, you can have it. And that, that was really, really cool to, to experience and also to kind of change my mindset a little bit when we came back to the States, at least at first was, you know, there, there is, there is generosity in accepting gifts and, and, you know, other people's generosity. So. Yeah. Like it's, it's mind blowing to think about, like, think about this, the restaurant system in our country, like it's accepted that you pay the wait staff. What is it like? It's like less than minimum wage, right? It's accepted that you pay the wait staff less than minimum wage and the patrons mm-hmm. basically cover the salary of the staff. Yep. And if you, and if you don't tip like you're frowned upon, it's just one big scam. Now folks don't take that the wrong way. I'm not saying don't tip. I'm not <laughs> saying that at all. What I'm saying is the system is really fucked up and we need to change it somehow. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's just funny over here in this country, what we choose to socialize and what we don't socialize. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Cause I mean, I, I make tips at my job, uh, getting people drunk and you know, I'm very thankful for that socialism, <laughs> Please keep <tipping> me. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's such a strange mindset. And so, yeah, I mean, even, even if you're not in a band or you don't have the opportunity to tour going over to Europe is a, is very refreshing and kind of makes you reframe the way you view life in general. Tara, is it difficult being on tour with dudes and i ask because i've been on tour with dudes and it's gross (laughs) (laughs) no it's honestly i mean we're all very respectful of each other's space yeah Uh, i've never had a moment where one of the guys has really grossed me out ever um i also like everybody in our band is very clean and they don't like to get gross and they don't fart and they don't you okay, know I mean? that, so yeah everything every i've never had a complaint i've had that question before and i think the first time i i got it i, I was kind of taken aback because in my head i'm like no these are really really clean considerate people <laughs> i yeah. think i think the only time i think i'm probably the grossest uh, like the one that's <laughs> the grossest uh situation um and forgive me if this is tmi but i i got my period when we were on tour in europe and we were in France and for some reason, every gas station we stopped at did not have any feminine products. Oh no. And I was devastated. I was going on day two at that point of not having a shower. So I eventually like, I, I, and I told the the guys, I was like, guys, I'm sorry, but we've got to find something because I'm, I'm miserable. Right. So we ended up uh, playing a show and still couldn't find any feminine products. And the place that we were staying that night um, was a squat. (laughs) <laughs> so the, the the bathroom was outdoors. There was no shower for us to use. Nothing. It was, I, I can't believe that we did that, but um, 
at that point, I had decided that my last clean pair of socks, I just had to stuff in my underwear at that point. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then eventually, thankfully, the next day, uh, we saw the Eiffel Tower and I finally found a store that had what I needed. So, yeah, I'm definitely probably the grossest one. <laughs> <laughs> Tour life. You, you got to do what you got to do. Oh, it's so not glamorous. <laughs> I like to hear that because I'm like so particular. People get annoyed with me, but... I don't know if someone burps really loud. I'm like, could you not? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just get grossed out easily. I don't want to smell anyone. I don't want to hear anyone. I don't even want, like, I even get annoyed when someone has their phone ringer on and you hear like the text tone every three seconds, like bing, bing, oh, bing. I'm yeah. like, can you turn that off? Like, I, I don't know. No, nobody in the band does that. Everyone has their phones on silent. Uh, if you're listening to music, unless you're the the driver, you know, you put your, you know, AirPods in. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's actually really, really respectful, which is nice. Is there anything we didn't cover that you would like to discuss? Any other projects or anything going on with End of the Ocean or anything like that? Well, unfortunately, no, I don't have anything new to discuss about the band. We are no longer with Equal Vision, so... Uh, um, what happened there? Oh, you know, I just, I think that we are just a, 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 the wrong fit for what they are currently doing with their label. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of pop punk and oh really oh my god yeah i mean there it's it's changed a lot since uh back when they had oh my god they've they've had they had refused for crying out loud and i'm sorry this is like the fifth time i've brought up that band but (laughs) uh they had refused they had um all these other bands are coming to mind anyways they they used to be a a little bit more of a harder rock label and there's a lot more pop punk on there um and there's like straight up pop bands now too yeah really yeah. yeah. Oh no, Keith, you sent me that thing. Remember, it was like almost like a boy band type thing, right? They yeah. Everyone was yeah. doing a synchronized dance. I was like, whoa. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and we we changed um, our manager before COVID, um, and honestly, we haven't rehired anyone. So we're just kind of reassessing. We we do really well as a DIY band. We did. We definitely appreciated everything that Equal Vision did for us. Yes. Um, and I believe we definitely still owe them some money on the recording, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, I think that we can do it, uh, on our own. Um, and you know, I, I'll, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think we want to do like the music video thing. Like we had to do for air. Cause that, that was all the label pushing us to do that. Um, if we do come out with a, a music video, it's not going to, it's probably not going to feature us at all, which is great. Cause that was so uncomfortable for all of us. <laughs> Yeah, I would not want to be in a video. Like, I made a video for my last band that I was in, mm-hmm. and the, there I drop in really quick clips of us playing, but I distort it, and I'm I'm like really self conscious. I'm like, oh, I, I just look horrible. Oh, we all, oh man, we were so uncomfortable the entire time we did all like the the two videos that we have out here. Like, do we yeah. really have to do this? And our manager's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, we didn't have like we weren't like we weren't you know huge stinkers about it when we were actually doing it. But, you know, after we were done with the first one, we were like, oh my God, that was so awkward. It really <laughs> we're just, is. We're not that kind of a band. We're just not, you know, we, well, our live performance, we wear all black. We try not to say too much and we get on the stage and get off like that. <laughs> that's us. We don't really want all that attention. So it's, it was very weird. But anyways, um, to fully answer your question, I, I, I really hope that, with this next next album that we're able to just get wild with it 
whip something together that we're really proud of and, and artistically just do it. I, I don't know. I, I would like to do some different concepts. I, I haven't really bounced this off of the band yet. It's just stuff that I've kind of thought of in my head and thought was cool, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that there's some untapped potential for some cool stuff in the future and, and hopefully post COVID we can get that ball rolling. That sounds great. I I look forward to more and I, I just want to say thank you to you, Tara and the band for doing what you do, because I, I really love the music and uh, it's excellent to get to talk to you. Hey, thank you so much. And, you know, honestly, it, we do this for ourselves, but we also do this for you. And I know we said that um, when we released Air, you know, this is for us and this is for you. And we really do mean that. And and especially for the people that come out and see us, you know, at our shows and, and have kind words for us, that really deeply, deeply moves us. And while some of us might be a little shy or awkward um, when we're approached, like that, I, I really do hope that people understand that we it, it fuels us and it, it fills our hearts. That's great. Yeah, it, it's so weird when I'm so I've realized that I react really badly to compliments. I think because I've been like, you know, I had the opposite for so long. So my my sister texts me and she's like, "Hey, I really like the tool impression you did on the podcast. I go back and listen to it all the time." And I was like. I felt like scared for some reason. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what, what do I say? What do I do? And then I was like, dude, just text her. Thank you. And put a smiley face. Right. And, and that's what I did. Just accept it. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Tommy, any, uh, any closing no. words here? No, you encapsulated it really well. Just Tara. Thanks for you guys. What you do is incredible. I love the music you guys make and I we hope you guys continue to make more. We really, really appreciate you coming and taking your time to be on here with us. And, and thank you so much for honestly, it, thank you for kind of beta testing <laughs> the video part of this. That was awesome <laughs> for us. That was really, really cool. I, I really thank you for that. There you have it, folks. Tara Mayer. That was great. That was really good. I I love when people come on and are like really honest about stuff. (laughs) It's actually, it was funny. Like when we were waiting for the wave files to upload real quick, I was just like, you know what? I appreciate you talking about things that are uncomfortable. I know sometimes like growing up with sisters and having, you know, three daughters, like talking about things like, oh, I had my period while I was on tour it makes people uncomfortable. But the thing is, is like, it only makes you uncomfortable if you're making it weird. Like the thing is, is it's something that's going to happen and it's going to be, it's, it's natural and it happens. So the fact that she was uncomfortable on tour and her bandmates felt for her, that was like huge for me. I, I am the go-to person for uh, feminine products on the middle, (laughs) on the middle school floor. Because that is something my mom always in the beginning of the year, my mom goes to Costco and she buys. Wait, she goes where? The best place in the world. (laughs) She goes to the pants store. (laughs) (laughs) But she goes and gets a bunch of them and uh, I stock my desk up. So I literally have like one drawer of my desk has like expo mark you know like white white whiteboard markers and erasers and extra pencils and notebook paper and then feminine products but uh you know it's really funny i have a i started uh getting a hole in my jeans 
like probably like two or three days ago, just from playing on the floor with the baby and being on my knees running around with her. And uh, Evie looked at me and she goes, guess you got to go to Costco and get new pants. <laughs> <laughs> Even your kids know. Well, they all, like I made a big deal out of it the one day because uh, I came home. Uh, this was like pre pandemic, but I came home and I was so excited about it. And she was like kind of staring at me like, daddy, what are you talking about? I was like, I got three pairs of pants and they were all under $15. And she was like, is that good? I'm like, yes, it's like amazing. <laughs> and she's like, okay. Like she you bought seemed... three pairs of pants for under $15. Yeah. No wonder they rip in three days. Oh no, no, no. So it wasn't, no, it wasn't three pairs of pants for, it was like each of them was under $15. So they were like $12.99 a piece or something like that. Dude. But like, yeah. You Dude, know how much were... my last pair of jeans was? I, I, I can't, let's let's play the guessing game. You go up or down. Uh, ninety. Oh, oh. <laughs> one ten. Up. One one forty five. Up a little more. One fifty one. Down one. One fifty. One hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so here's my only thing. How long does that pair of pants last you? Like like two three years, right? forever yeah. i bought a pair i don't know three years ago and okay. i still wear them regularly and i bought another pair two years ago yeah it's all been within the last four years and i, I wear i wear both of them a lot and they're perfectly fine what brand what brand do you wear like what's the what's like your go-to like style or fit what's that like what do you wear acne studios slim not skinny yeah, not this, like in, you, not like insane skinny. I I can't do that. That's crazy. Just regular slim fitting. And okay. then uh, there's another store, Rag and Bone. I think they're in like Brooklyn and Manhattan. They're really nice. I wear those too. That's nice. I I wear uh, Levi's <laughs> five five forties. Yeah, I used to wear Levi's five elevens all the time. I think it's five eleven. Yeah, maybe it's five eleven. The straight leg, straight yeah. straight leg ones. But yeah, I always like these. And if the fun part is, is about these is, you know, I I don't buy these. They don't sell these at Costco. <laughs> that was the one thing. We had a conversation tonight about at this at dinner. Like we're talking about like what you can buy because the, the light in the refrigerator went out. Like, you know, like the little bulb that like when you turn it on. And I got panicked because I opened the refrigerator door and I was like, the light's not on. I'm like, fuck the refrigerator's broken we're gonna lose all this food and it, it really was like as soon as i opened the door like the ice maker kicked on i'm like okay so the refrigerator works like got it like but the light was out and i was like oh i'll just order one on amazon and uh eleanor was like what do they sell at amazon i was like everything and, I was, <laughs> and she's like what do you mean i'm like name a thing and she's like uh peanut butter it's like yes she's like bananas i'm like yeah like an Amazon pantry will deliver to, you. and she's like, they but they sell light bulbs too. I'm like, sweetie, they sell light bulbs for a frigid air from 2006. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is how like the, they sell everything. And what she was really confused by was she was like, well, where's the store? And I was like, there is, there's no store. It's a, it's a series of warehouses. And she's like, there's no Amazon store. I'm like. I think there is now. There is like a physical location. I think it's one of those ones they did with like the whole, uh, like the, it's like a like a employee. There's no employees at the store. Like you, you, like it's one of those things. Like you walk in with the basket, 
And then you just like, every time you put something in the basket, you scan the item, you go to the checkout, you wave your phone, it weighs the basket and make sure it matches up with what you have in your basket. And then you just leave. Um, but I, I don't honestly know much about that, but she was like, so confused by that. And I was like, here's the thing. I get confused by it because there's Amazon sells stuff. Amazon sells third party things. They sell things through people that are refurbishing things. I was like, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a place that takes all of these different kind of sellers and makes it accessible in one singular place. So you can go on to amazon.com and pretty much, it would well, be listen, e- they're not sponsoring us, so oh, I, I, I want to get off of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I said to her, I was like, it would be easier to list things that they didn't sell than the things that they did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, end of the ocean. Awesome. Thank you again, Tara, for coming on. Thank you to the band for making music. Air is a incredible LP. That's like one of the best modern post-rock albums, in my in my opinion. You and you were the one that turned me on to them. You sent me that over well over a year ago now. Yeah. And that was the one that yeah, I, I texted you right away. I was like, here's a blast beat in the first song. <laughs> it's like, that's pretty cool. I never heard that post rock stuff. I love that. And uh yeah, Tara was really nice. It was very nice to talk to her. And Tommy, we have a new review. Oh, nice. This is the best review we've ever gotten. <laughs> All right. You ready for this? Yes. All right, here we go. All right, from Swan. These guys are the guys. Love this show. Came for the bands. Stayed for the Costco, Corn, and Math. I love it. Thank Look. you, Swan. That That's incredible. I love that. See, Swan gets it. Yeah. See, this Swan's the guy. Swan gets it. Swan's, he's picking up what we're laying down. It's Costco, <laughs> Corn, uh woodstock 99 youtube and uh that's about it i mean and friendship as a standard discussion point in every interview from now on we should say have you ever seen the corn <laughs> performance of blind at woodstock 99 i i think that should be something we should send to people as like can you just pre-watch this so we can <laughs> can can we discuss this when you come on is can you just watch this clip? It's a, it's a five and a, it's five minutes and 40 seconds. Just it's corn live at Woodstock 99. Can you just be ready to talk about this? Like give people homework. <laughs> I hope we can talk to Phil from Caspian again one day and just tell him that's become like a regular fixture of the show. I, I brought this up. I think I brought it up on the Phil with Caspian, like the Phil from Caspian show. Uh, but the baby loves uh, the rusted root performance. And it's not Woodstock 99. It's Woodstock 94. Yeah. Um, but, dude, such a tight live band. And honestly, it was such a cool, like, I watched, mo- not the whole set, because the, ho- the whole set was really long. But, like, I watched most of the set with the baby. It's just a really interesting band. I would, that's one of those bands that if they toured, like, I'm sure they tour, like, sm- like you know, smaller theaters and stuff like that, like Keswick or whatever. I would go, I would pay money to go see them be- just because it was just, unbelievably interesting like they have people playing like you know uh i don't know what that african instrument is that it's like you play it with your fingers it looks like um a series of metal pieces bent over 
like a, a almost like an acoustic guitar hole opening. It's the neatest thing in the world. I was like, dude, this is fucking rad. It's just like world music in general, like that stuff. I, I've never really kind of delved into that. I've always every time somebody was like, "Hey, I'm into this band," and it it kind of sounded like that. I was like. Yeah, that sounds like Disco Biscuits or Fish or something like that. I'm just not. I'm, I'm good. Not gonna, yeah, yeah, it's too jammy for me. I'm not going to listen to it. In my older years, now I'm feeling like, you know what? I'll give it a try. I, I, I was listen, interested enough to spend time. if you get into jam bands, if you get into jam bands, you're off the show. <laughs> That's it. I uh, I have said this before, and I, I, I stand by this. It's kind of like the stance on the Beatles. Like, not only do I not get it, I do I actively dislike it. And I think that's one of those things that kind of separates people that are like grateful dead or fish people. My good friend, Chris Riley, his older brother's a big dead person. And I'm like, I, I don't really, I don't really get them. And he's like, dude, you have to listen to insert some ridiculous show from like 1974 at Altamont, man. And it's like, okay. And then I hear it and it's the same. and i'm like all right it's fucking 45 minutes of this like i get it terrapin station's a fucking long song stop like i we don't need to hear this whole fucking thing like it's yeah so jam bands you know i'm i'm good i saw fish before it was fine you know that's that's a story for another time but (laughs) there's video on our podcast platform now oh yeah this is fucking weird i i signed on and all of a sudden they have video i haven't seen tommy in almost a year, like I literally only hear his voice, and, or and if he if he posts his picture on Instagram or if his wife posts a picture on Instagram, I I haven't seen him. This is weird. It is it is a strange thing. I said to Keith, I was like, I I haven't seen him in a long time. I you know we haven't seen each other in it really has been almost a year at this point. He's got like a full beard. His hair is long. <laughs> I said he's got a very uh, Howard Hughes vibe going on right now. He looks like uh, when the episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns gets crazy about germs. And he yeah. starts wearing the Kleenex boxes on his feet. You know, like hop into the spruce moose. I'm going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. I said, I said, hop in. <laughs> uh, it's weird, man. It's weird. And uh, I'm in the Hamptons right now. We came down this morning. The house is nice. The room I'm recording in is cold as shit. But it's like a ten, it's like a five minute walk to the beach. No one's on the beach. It's really nice. It, this is this is nice. It's gonna be a nice week. Keith has a surfboard behind him right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even see that. Off mic, he's like, What the fuck? <laughs> I've been staring at it the whole time. Well we had the so we had the video on during most of the or the first part of it, and then it was kind of like lagging a little bit. So, you know, Keith had the idea of like, let's well, taking a lot of bandwidth up, let's let's mute the video so we yeah. can get the audio synced a little bit better. And yeah. it, when he turned the audio off, in my head I'm going like, Is Keith surfing now? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? Oh man, I I saw the surfboards and I was like, I want to surf, but it uh, it's too cold to even walk on the beach. I was out there with Romy and I was like, all right, we're going back. Like the wind's blowing, even though it's forty degrees, it's really cold, and uh, there's no way I'm going in the ocean. Uh, but I will listen to the end of the ocean. Oh, <laughs> oh clever! <laughs> I was gonna say this. Uh, you're there until for the for this week until Sunday, right? You're going to leave Sunday morning, you think? Yes. All right. Uh, I wonder what it looks like. We're supposed to get snow down here uh, in the burbs 
we're going to get uh, anywhere between, they say, six to eight inches. Uh, I wonder what that's going to look like. I mean, I know on the coast it usually isn't like accumulating snow, but in my head I'm going like, how crazy would it be to be on the beach and watching it snow? I've never even been to the beach in the winter, let alone fucking seeing something like the snow laying on sand. That's fucking wild. If it snows, I'm going to go out there and look at it for a little bit. 90% chance of snow on Thursday, 70% chance on Friday. So I'm going to go check it out. But folks, we're out of time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Tommy, did you? I had a great time, dude. This is I like this video component. I just don't know what we're going to do with it. Yeah, neither of us us want our faces out there. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I it just makes me self conscious, and I'm like, you know, is Tommy gonna see me like dozing off when he's talking? And you know, I did this. It did. You can't see it framed up right now. You might be. Yeah, you can see a little bit. I made it very obvious. Like, I put my phone away from my hands, so like I was like, just so he was like, he's on his phone. Like, no, I have it out (laughs) there. We're out of time. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time. Yay!